You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report and on Instagram at Saints underscore straight up. We have a special episode on this Monday with Ross Jackson, an editor and contributor for the Canal Street Chronicles, the managing editor of Section 600 and the host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross, how's everything, man? And tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Very, very excited to be here with you. Always enjoy my conversations with you. So glad to be able to put one on wax and share the mic with you again, man. Thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, Y'all can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A, because I am uh, very passionate about where I'm from. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know what? I was telling people, too. I I tell them every episode. I'm like, you know, we got nothing to do. I mean, we're obviously working, but... We need to entertain ourselves during this quarantine right. period. And if that means talking Saints with the draft coming up, that's what we got to do. And a big debate has been on what the Saints should do at pick 24 because, you know, it's win now mode. We're all desperate. Uh, it's three straight years of heartbreak. We're just, you know, we're dying for a Super Bowl win there. Um, and it comes to the question of do you go immediate impact or future need? And we could talk about that in a little bit. But what we definitely all agree on, every Saints fan, is that they can use help at linebacker and that brings up the point of you know who should they add should it be a Patrick Queen should it be a Kenneth Murray should they wait until later let's just for now stick with the first round prospects uh, that could fall to the Saints at 24 whether it's Murray or Queen Um, which one do you personally like better and what's the reasoning for it yeah so here's the thing and uh, I want to be I want to make sure that I'm clear about this because sometimes people kind of get rubbed the wrong way but the fact of the matter is that Either one of these guys is a win-win in, in in my book. I mean, Patrick Queen is phenomenal, but for me, by a margin, you know, not by the largest margin, but by still a margin, uh, Kenneth Murray to me is the better fit. And the only reason why I go with Kenneth Murray has to do, uh, in, in all sense of the word, size. And the, what I mean by that is that literally his size at six foot two, two hundred and forty-one pounds, is a better fit for what the Saints usually like in the middle linebacker than you know six foot two hundred and twenty pounds, six foot two hundred and thirty pounds, which would be around the Patrick Queen size. And then the other part of size, I mean by sample size as well. Sample size in terms of you know Kenneth Murray has been successful at Oklahoma as the leader and as the you know main tackler in their defense over three seasons now, over ninety tackles over three years, over two over a hundred tackles over the last two seasons. Meanwhile, we essentially have one very productive year from Patrick Queen that was extremely impressive and shows you a lot of promise. But for the most part, he was also stuck behind guys like Devin White. You know what I mean? Uh, So for me, it comes down to sample size and physical size. I like a linebacker that is able to be run defense first. And I think at the NFL level, Kenneth Murray's first read being the run is going to fit for him better than Patrick Queen. And Patrick Queen's size has a lot to do with that. But also just in terms of, you know, look, Patrick Queen's a fantastic guy in coverage. To me, Kenneth Murray is about maybe 70 percent what Patrick Queen is in coverage. And I'm willing to take that to get a little bit more of a traditional linebacker as opposed to sort of the prototypical linebacker that can also play in the slot and can cover uh, with Patrick Queen. So for me, I'm a little bit more drawn to the traditional style that patch i'm sorry that um kenneth murray brings especially as a team captain and everything he's done as well than i am patrick queen but if the saints went patrick queen instead or if kenneth murray didn't make it and then they they selected patrick queen i'd be perfectly happy with that yeah no i think you brought up some fantastic points and i think what i find really interesting and and nick underhill brought this up last week i believe on one of his you know new uh, orleans football.com articles was that mm-hmm. if mike nolan was still here would saints fans be less concerned with taking Murray and saying, you know what, Coach Nolan will figure it out. He'll develop him. And I think actually a lot of fans would feel that way. I feel like mm-hmm. they wouldn't be nervous about this Stefan Anthony uh, 2.0 thing, which, by the way, I-, I cracked a couple of jokes about it. I think if people really think he's Stefan Anthony, I don't think they're watching the tape enough. And the only reason I say that is Oklahoma's not good defensively. So it's by far, you're looking at that team. I know Gallimore's a pretty good player as well, but if I'm looking at that defense, it's not like Kenneth Murray has a bunch of guys supporting him. He's the best right. guy, in my opinion, on that defense, whereas like Stephon Anthony had Grady Jarrett. He had Vic Beasley. He had better players with him, um, so they prop him up. I think that concern's a little uh, ridiculous, in my opinion, but I will say this. If you tell me which one's a safer pick, I kind of think it's Queen, only because I think in terms of recognizing plays – he might be a little bit better then. But if you're saying, well, who's the guy that's going to pop out of you on tape? I think it's Kenneth Murray because he's just a heat-seeking missile where on the flip side, 
I do see sometimes where he gets lost in, in you know, misdirection type plays. I do see mm-hmm. where it takes him a little bit of time to recognize what's going on. But I think we also have to realize that, like, the Saints linebacking corps is, like, so much different compared to what it used to be. And imagine sticking, whether it is Queen or Murray or someone else, with a DeMario Davis, they should be able to learn. Um, I have a lot of trust in this defensive staff, which is crazy. I know, you know, three years ago, four years ago, we would never say that, but I, I really do. The one reason why I kind of think I would feel more comfortable with, with Queen is only because of what you said, like he's better in coverage. And I watched him play in the college football playoff, and it just seems like when the games got bigger, he played better. Um, on the other hand, I'm in the same boat with you. If they take Murray, I'm not going to get mad. They need a linebacker. Like, right. take Kenneth Murray develop him I am pretty sure he's not going to be Stefan Anthony in the sense where he has one good rookie year and then we never hear the guy again like Stefan Anthony's fallout from the depth chart was so weird like he looked good he had a nice big game against Carolina when they were undefeated and they looked good and then all of a sudden that's it he's off the depth chart send him out of here uh for like a late pick and that's it I don't think that's going to happen with him um I will say this though and I'll open the floor to to other prospects uh at that position I like too many linebackers in this draft, and it's becoming an issue. And because of that, I'm almost like, you know what? Who needs a linebacker 24? They could get one in day two or day three. Um, And I know you like a linebacker in particular from Appalachian State, so tell us about your guy, Akeem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can I throw on one other point on the uh, on the, the the coaching thing that you had yeah, mentioned, yeah, and particularly it. the Stephon Anthony thing? Um, I completely agree with you that the Stephon Anthony comparison is a little bit more of a popular comparison right now than it is an accurate comparison. But when you look to at who we were trusting to develop uh, linebackers when Stephon Anthony was drafted, which by the way was Joe Vitt, um, <laughs> I think that it doesn't matter if you have uh, a guy like. Uh, Mike Nolan, or if you have a guy like Michael Hodges, who was essentially Mike Nolan's sort of, you know, uh, protege in a way, he was the assistant to Mike Nolan as uh, over these past few years. I'm going to trust just about anybody to develop a linebacker more than I am going to trust Joe Vitt to develop a linebacker, if that makes sense. So I love the fact that you bring up coaching because I think that's a huge part of uh, either of these guys allowing them to be successful if they are the pick at 24. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the other thing, real quick, because you brought that up, if we stuck, because everyone loves to say, oh, the Saints could have had Eric Kendricks. We don't know if Eric Kendricks plays as well with the Saints with that coaching staff like you just mentioned compared right. to him going with Zimmer and playing in a defense where Zimmer knows how to use him immediately. Uh, so it's definitely worth bringing up. But uh, that's a great point. If you want, no, continue with your guy, Akeem, because a lot of people – are sleeping on him. I haven't been on the hype train per se, but you've been leading the hype train. So, you know, by all (laughs) means, let us know what type of player he is. Yeah, I want to I want to uh, give a shout out to my friend Dylan Sanders, who essentially is a co-conductor on this hype train as well. But uh, really, really high on this guy. Akeem Davis Gaither out of Appalachian State, as we mentioned, 96 total tackles in 2018, 101 in 2019. Talk about a heat seeking missile. This guy is one of those 14 and a half tackles for a loss last year, as well as five sacks. So he shows you a little bit of what he can do in the backfield, as well as showing a little bit of prowess in the in the pass rush game as well. Of course, playing in the Sun Belt Conference, but still dominating at that level. And so if you want to talk about competition level and sort of the gap in competition, it's totally there's total value in discussing that. But when a guy dominates at his at his level of competition, that's what you want to see. And that's what uh, Akeem Davis Gaither has done for the past couple of years now. Now, he's a little bit more fluid as well than maybe a, a, a Kenneth Murray might be in terms of how quickly he can diagnose plays and react, which is great. So key and diagnose and, and of course, react is much a little bit better. Over on the Akeem Davis Gaither side, maybe a little bit more akin to Patrick Queen, but a little bit less in coverage than Patrick Queen as well. Um, and so I'm I'm a big fan of Akeem. The the biggest thing for me again becomes size, six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. So he's as tall as Kenneth Murray is, but then he's as small as Patrick Queen is. So he's a little bit right in between both of those guys. But again, that's the difference between talking about a first round prospect and a third round prospect. I'm a little bit more comfortable with that come the third round, right? So that's a big thing for me but I really like Akeem and one of the other things that I like about him is the intangibles that he brings much like what uh, much like what 
uh, Kenneth Murray brings as somebody that has displayed consistent leadership over his time in Oklahoma. Akeem Davis Gaither has done that at App State. He's taken, you know, he's been a part of this uh, team that's gone to the New Orleans Bowl for the last two years. Very accustomed to playing in New Orleans, loves New Orleans. So there's all of the little intangible things that really make me like him uh, a lot as well. But I'm a big fan of what uh, Akeem Davis Gaither could potentially bring as a later round pick if the Saints decide not to go linebacker in the first round. Instead, take advantage of the depth of the position. Yeah, no, and that's a great point, and I love that you brought up the competition because, yeah, he's not playing in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten, whatever, but I've noticed, and it was a recent trend, I believe, was it two or three years ago, whenever Darius Leonard got selected, the Colts got absolutely ripped. I mean, you read mm-hmm. your your articles with, like, grades and stuff, go back to that draft, and everyone's going to say, a oh, waste of a pick, you know, why are you taking a South Carolina State kid? I would say that pick for Darius Leonard worked out pretty well, and I'm not saying... Yeah. Uh, that this is just going to be the same type of comp because they're different players for sure. But if you dominate at that level, I don't care what school you're playing for. Those are traits that should carry on to the next level. And speaking yep. of later guys that we like, and it's clear that there's a certain type of athlete that everyone's into, uh, I really like, and I'm not sure if the Saints are willing to go towards him because I do think he needs to develop a good bit, but I like Davion Taylor for Colorado for a couple of reasons. I like him out in space. I, I think he's an exceptional tackler, and I know it sounds crazy, but the Saints need to have sure tacklers. I am oh, yeah. one missed tackle away from just blowing a gasket. So <laughs> let, let's get sure tacklers on the team. I think he could cover pretty well. Um, so that's a guy I definitely like. And also there's not a lot of mileage on his body. I don't know if that should be a good or a bad thing. I personally think it's a good thing, but he's very religious. Uh, you know, didn't get to really shine until two years ago with Colorado. So, uh, I like what he shows there. And there's just a couple of other linebackers. I think one guy we also could agree on who's not more so, uh, you know, the, the crazy athletic type. Now he's still a great athlete, but he's not going to pop off the page. Like the other guys uh, is someone like Logan Wilson, who I think almost every saints fan uh, has come around on. I think he's an instinctual player that we could all uh, see playing well for new Orleans. Um, But I just think it goes to show if you go through the linebacker group, I think there are five to 10 guys where it's like, okay, I wouldn't mind him on the saints. I wouldn't mind him on the saints. And you just go down the list. Um, for you, though, where's the cutoff on when the Saints should get a linebacker in this class? I think that if you want an immediate impact guy, uh, or let me not even say that. I, th- I would say that if you want a guy that's going to be able to be serviceable depth, and why by serviceable I mean come in and not see a huge drop-off, right? Uh, for me, I think that that's probably going to be... I wouldn't use the sixth round pick, you know, the Saints final pick, at least for right now until I'm sure they trade about and move around and all this other stuff. But for right now, it's their sixth round pick. But, you know, fifth round, I think you're going to be able to find guys like Davion Taylor has the potential of slipping down there. The thing that I like about Davion Taylor is his position versatility. You can believe him as a linebacker if you want him to be a coverage linebacker on the weak side or if you want him to be your, a good tackler over on the strong side. Though Again, size becomes a little bit of an issue. But he can also play safety. He can play in the slot. He played a ton in the slot uh, with uh, you know, with Colorado. And so he's a really interesting one to me. Marcus Bailey out of Purdue is somebody that has the potential to drop to the fourth or fifth round. Uh, and then you've also got some other guys that people aren't really talking about, like Troy Dyes, um, like Willie Gaze, who are going to be more of a second, third round pick, but really interesting potential prospects. So really anywhere up to the later portions of day three, you're going to be able to get somebody that can come in and be a depth player. And that's not going to cost you you know, not be a huge liability on the field should they have to step in for Alex Anzalone or should they have to step in for Kiko Alonso. And that, to me, I think is just, there's value in that, just like there's value in getting a brand new, shiny starting linebacker as well. So I don't really see much of a cutoff. I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't trust a guy that you maybe pick up in the sixth or seventh round, but at the same time, you know, Sean Payton's theory, and we all were reminded of it when they did the rebirth re-air, but what he picked up from Bill Parcells is that you have to unbias yourself from from players' draft positions once they walk into camp. So anybody that walks into the Saints training facility is going to have a fair shot. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been drafted and they wouldn't have been selected. But for me personally, I look at some of those fifth-round prospects as sort of being the tail end of where those serviceable backup depth guys Guys that aren't going to be a liability when on the field come into play. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Um, I'm going to throw out one more name out there, and I, I love that you brought up Marcus Bailey because I actually spoke to him, mm-hmm. and he was saying he he's, he was talking to Dennis Allen, and he likes the scheme fit. He actually thinks the Saints scheme is like really good for him, and I could see why. And he's one of those dudes where you play the what do you rather have? You rather have a guy who, in terms of instincts, is 
exceptional, or would you rather have the world-class athlete who you're thinking, if you develop him, all right, you have the next all-pro or Pro Bowl caliber linebacker, and I think it's definitely a tough balance between the two. One name that I think this kid, if he just has his head on straight, is going to be a star in the NFL, but I'm not sure what the situation there is, um, and, I, and I hope it's good, but Willie Gay is a guy where if I just mm-hmm. turn on the film, it's like, holy crap, he's great. Like, I was watching, and there were points where he's playing Alabama, and Tua just looks slow, and I never thought, and I'm not saying Tua is a Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray type athlete. He's in that range, but I don't think he's as quick as either one. But Tua's a good athlete, and Tua just couldn't get past him. And I'm thinking, you put this guy in a defense where they have a good front, they have a a good veteran linebacker that could teach him and show him the ropes, I wouldn't mind seeing him. The downside to a guy like him would be probably a trade-up, maybe second round, you got to go back in Mm -hmm. and get him. Uh, But that's definitely a name over there. Um, For you personally, if you get to pick one linebacker in this draft, Who's the one that you'd want? Uh, I mean, for me, it's it's Kenneth Murray. Uh, that's uh, I, I like guys like Willie Gay. I like guys like Logan Wilson. But they're all, for me, sort of if the Saints can't land dot, dot, dot type mm-hmm. prospects. But for me, it's it's it really comes down to those two of the top three, you know, because Isaiah Simmons is we can pretty much we can pretty much understand that he's well out of out of reach, uh, although we never know what happens in the draft. But you can feel pretty similar. You feel pretty sure about him. But Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen are the two for me. And Kenneth Murray sits just marginally above Patrick Queen. And so with that being the case, he's the one for me. I, I want to commend you and I want to comment on, uh, you know, talking about Willie Gay positively because i think he deserves that this guy is incredible on the field and the tape that he puts down is is outstanding i know a lot of people are concerned with character issues and stuff like that i think he he punched a quarterback in the face (laughs) and broke his orbital bone or something like that because of some altercation that took place in the locker room everything and like i get that but he was also that was very early in his college career he was younger that's not gonna fly he's not gonna punch drew Brees in the face like let's let's be real that's not gonna translate to the nfl and then the other thing that he got in trouble for was uh cheating on a chemistry test or something like that which like come on i've cheated on chemistry tests like back up like it's not that huge of a deal uh so i really really like what willie gay brings he has he has when he processes he processes extremely fast and reacts with very very good uh confidence and usually accurately the issue for me is the times that he doesn't process quickly enough because those do pop up on the film but outside of that very far from an issue for me. So even a guy like him, I still sort of put behind a Kenneth Murray or a Patrick Queen who are like the must-haves for me with Kenneth Murray just marginally being ahead. Yeah, no, I, I with your assessment of linebackers, is totally good. I think you have the rankings. I, honestly, the way I see it, though, is like I have Murray and Queen as like a 1A, 1B type thing. Um, totally. Yeah, but those are the guys if you're saying, okay, we need to go linebacker, uh, grab them at 24. Um, now with pick 24, there's an interesting debate on – immediate impact or future need. And one of those future needs could be quarterback because I don't care how many times Sean Payne's going to tell me Taysom Hill's the starter after Breeze. I (laughs) need to see it. Show me Taysom Hill on the field and I'll believe it. Until then, he's just an exceptional football player, but I don't know if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I'm still skeptical on that. If you're at 24 and Jordan Love's there, do you take Jordan Love? Because I've been someone who has been riding that train for a while, and I have been absolutely roasted on Twitter several occasions by people about it. I don't care. I know this sounds wrong. I don't care that his junior year tape is bad. He lost his head coach. He lost four starting offensive linemen. He lost a bunch of receivers. I think he was pressing, almost in a sense where in 2012, Drew Brees threw a lot of picks because, oh, he didn't have his head coach. The defense was bad. You press, and I think if a guy like Jordan Love with the arm talent that he has goes to a Saints team where he learns from Breeze, learns from Sean Payton, I can see this kid being a Pro Bowl quarterback. Um, Now, here's the thing. He needs to fall to a certain range. I am not saying the Saints should trade up top 10 for Jordan Love, but if he gets past pick 15, all right, let's have that conversation on when do they want to pull the trigger and get him. Uh, What are your thoughts on Jordan Love, and would you, if a quarterback falls to 24 that you like, take him? Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to back you up on the Jordan love thing. I don't really understand. I understand why people feel uncomfortable with Jordan love. I don't understand the hate (laughs) around Jordan love. It's a little bit too much for me uh, because you make all the right points in terms of what his junior year looked like. He was still pretty outstanding in terms of his ball placement, his ball velocity, his arm talent is just outstanding and his mobility and being able to maintain all of that ball talent 
while being as mobile as he is, is fantastic. And he had to be mobile a lot because oftentimes he had four people, you know, four defensive linemen barreling up the up the middle on him. And so he had to work his way out of the pocket and still make some incredible throws, some fantastic throws in terms of ball placement, hitting people on the sideline, putting the ball between deep coverage, hitting tight windows. He really just did all of the things that we usually commend quarterbacks for. But for whatever reason, when it comes to Jordan Love, the the popular consensus is to sort of dismiss that and then say, well, he threw 17 interceptions. And while I get that, some of the people that, and I've noticed this, but some of the people that think that Jordan Love isn't a good fit in New Orleans are the same ones that say, oh, well, the Saints should trade for Josh Rosen or, oh, when uh, Jameis Winston would be fun in New Orleans. And to me, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> if you're going to, if you feel that uh, Sean Payton can fix a Josh Rosen or can fix a Jameis Winston, then why the holdup in or, or why the, the disbelief in Jordan Love progressing in the Saints offense? With that being said, I think that he would be a fantastic selection for the Saints if they were to either trade back and he's still on the board or if they decide to go with him at 24. Again, for me, it's linebacker and for me, it's Kenneth Murray. But would I be disappointed if the Saints took Jordan Love at 24? No. Would I be disappointed if they traded up for him? A little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'd be a little disappointed if they traded up for him just because, again, that's more assets for a guy that still needs development. Now, I'm not saying that this yeah, – I'm saying that I like Jordan Love and that I do like the selection of him to New Orleans and the potential fit and what he could grow into. But I'm also acknowledging that it would take some growth and it would be a bit of a project. It wouldn't be a Garrett Grayson project, <laughs> but it would still be a project. And so with that being the case, would I want to give up draft assets in order to move up and select him? Not necessarily at this time because there's not a ton of draft capital to move around with in the first place. The Saints, thankfully, should be getting a third-round compensatory pick in 2021, so it might make them a little bit more aggressive than even than they are usual with their future picks. But we'll have to see exactly what that translates to. Um on the other hand, the or the other thing that I'll mention is that for me, Jordan Love is somebody that gives you that future, that potential glimpse into the future of what the Saints can be post Drew Brees, as you already mentioned, which I think is something that we're starting to lose sight of right now because we're sort of taking the Saints at their word by the fact that Taysom Hill's the next guy, quote unquote, and people just seem to be okay with that and are just kind of listening to that and going, okay, great. So we know what's going on after Drew Brees. We'll give Taysom Hill a shot. But you also have to be prepared for what to do if Taysom Hill doesn't work, right? So there are a couple of quarterbacks in this class that I think could be interesting, but one of the things that I want to point out is uh, Matt Miller did a bit of a, uh, a check-in and an article over at uh, Bleacher Report talking a little bit about each team and where they are before the draft. And one of the things that he mentioned for the Saints is that the Saints are really only interested in taking a quarterback if the value is absolutely perfect. That's one of the things that pushes me away from the idea of trading up because if the value is not perfect, then it doesn't make sense to me that you're going to trade up. And then the other thing would be, um, is the value perfect for Jordan Love at 24? I, it completely and 100% depends on who else is on the board. So there's a lot of sort of variables that affect whether or not the Saints go quarterback in this draft. And so I'll be interested to see exactly how that works out and what the definition of quote unquote perfect value is at the quarterback position. Yeah, no, all outstanding points. And I, I did see the Matt Miller thing, his scouting notebooks always in terms of look at, look at, get some proper information on where your team might be looking at, at the draft. I think it's great. And I agree. Like I'm not for trading up. I think this is what I see in the Saints. It's like, if you have $20 in your wallet right now, I don't know if you should be going out and, and spending a lot of money on expensive dinner. I don't know. You should wait. Uh, <laughs> what scares me is, and not even scares me, just it just it tells me that something's going to happen. For the first time in a while, they're going to get those compensatory picks, and you just know that they're right. probably going to sit there and be like, <laughs> even if it's not day one, maybe day two, they're like, you know what? That's it. We can't sit here at 88. We're getting bored. Fly up there. and, and we'll, we'll I someone. really like I 100 percent agree because there's to me, there's no way that this Saints organization as aggressive as they are in the draft sits and waits from pick 24 to 88. I just can't see it. No. And and the, the funny thing is the fact that Malcolm Jenkins didn't count against any of them, like it doesn't offset anything. It's like even right. more fuel the fact that they'll probably get two to three. I'm not sure where they stand now because of Eli Apple's deal going through. Uh, not going right. through, um, but I think they get at least two. I think it was like a third for Teddy and a sixth for AJ Klein. That's, That's right. more than yep. enough for them flying up the board, um, and I think they'll do it in day two. Um, but I agree. Look, I, I like Jordan Love a lot. Um, some will say I love him, uh, and <laughs> I I just don't 
know if I'll trade up for him, but if you're telling me he's there at 24, I am absolutely taking him, but I'd have to see him actually fall uh, to believe that. But there's a lot of mid-round quarterbacks that I like, and I'm just going to put a disclaimer here, and I told Ross before we started this episode, I can give a shit about Jake Fromm. I I just can't. It's not going to happen. I don't care about him. I tweeted once about the guy, and I got absolutely blasted. I wasn't even advocating for him, but I don't like him. I just don't. I think he's very limited, and I got killed for saying I like Teddy Bridgewater, but Jake Fromm is like Teddy Bridgewater, except not as cool because Teddy Bridgewater's got a lot of swag, and Jake Fromm doesn't have that. So No swag. No swag in the Jake Fromm camp at all. Go from Teddy Two Gloves to a guy named Jake. It's like, uh, it's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Like, nothing crazy there. And there's a lot of quarterbacks that I'd be interested in seeing on the Saints. I've been advocating for James Morgan because I think he's one of those guys where – at the very worst, can he be a career backup? Yes. And I think people don't realize there's nothing wrong with drafting a quarterback and him being a career backup. Like, Chase Daniel right. has made a damn living off that. And oh, I, my goodness. Someone should just credit him what he's been able to do. He'll get, like, $5 million from Detroit, $10 million from Chicago, another ten from Kansas City. The guy is just great at scheming, and it's just fantastic. And the Saints can use some of that. I'm also very interested in a guy like Anthony Gordon from Washington State. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the one that intrigues me the most, and I don't even know if he's what the Saints see in a quarterback, and I don't know if they're going to take him. I think a lot of Saints fans would be cool to the idea of them taking Jalen Hurts. Um, so before I open the floor in, you know, with all the quarterbacks and what type of mid-round guy you'd want to see on the Saints, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts? Because I, I actually have never asked you this question. What do you think about Jalen? I love Jalen Hurts. I mean, and and I know that I get a lot of pushback for Jalen Hurts. I get a lot of pushback for Jordan Love, too. It's it's funny, like, oh, this thing's a future quarterback, but then any quarterback that you name, you get pushback for. Uh, but Jalen Hurts is one of my favorite prospects, that he's somebody that in the third or fourth round, if he were to make it to the fourth round, or, you know, if the Saints were to trade up, right? So if the Saints do, for whatever reason, stand pat at 88, and he's still on the board after they make that selection, and they decide that they want to trade up from their fourth rounder, then they could. Or if they love him in second round, then they could trade up and get him. I, I don't see that happening, because again, quote-unquote value has to be perfect right but if that's the case and if if Jalen Hurts were to end up with New Orleans I would absolutely love that and the reason why is because let's take the Saints at their word for a second and say okay they do intend to give Taysom Hill a shot not that Taysom Hill's the future of the franchise but that they do intend to give Taysom Hill a shot what better backup can you find in this draft or I challenge even in this year's free agency to have than a guy like Jalen Hurts to be the exact same sort of mold as Taysom Hill. Because if you're going to go through all the trouble, not trouble, if you're going to go through all the burden of changing over your entire offense and the way that the offense works, change your offensive line play, change your scheme, and shift for this mobile quarterback, this guy that wants to get outside the pocket and throw, this guy that wants to run the option plays, things like that, if you're going to change the offense to, to, to be that in favor of a Taysom Hill, then why not have a backup that can do the same thing that Taysom Hill can, maybe with an even stronger arm at this point in his career? That's one of the reasons why I like Jalen Hurts. If you're going to switch over this offense for Taysom Hill, then instead of grabbing a backup that's going to be your backup for Drew Brees, I don't see anything wrong with also potentially grabbing a backup that can be the backup for Taysom Hill or the eventual successor to Taysom Hill if it doesn't work out. That way, you don't end up having to change your offense to fit Taysom Hill and then change it back for, let's just uh, continue and say, a, a Chase Daniel, who I know isn't on the team this year, but if he could end up on the team next year. So why do that? Instead, change the offense once and then bring somebody in that has the ability to take over if Taysom Hill doesn't work out. So that's one of the reasons why I like Jalen Hurts. Also, all of the intangibles that I mentioned about Oklahoma and uh, on the defensive side when it comes to Kenneth Murray, Jalen Hurts shows and and has you know that example over on the offensive side. Even when he was at Alabama, this guy's just straight up a winner outside of when he plays against LSU. But come on, it's hard to hold anything against any team that you know didn't exceed against LSU in 2019, right? So I'm not going to hold that against them. But fantastic player, fantastic leader. He's not the he's not the most talkative guy. He's not the most sort of, you know, fun and, and exciting guy. But in terms of his personality, he's very reserved and he's pretty quiet. But man, he's a leader in the locker room and he's somebody that can come in and be that guy. And I like that. And I even if he ends up just being, as you mentioned, a backup, I like that idea, especially if you're going to change the offense for Taysom Hill at one point or another. Yeah. And and 
Jalen Hurts has that indescribable quality. Like you talk about quarterbacks, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he has it. And someone's like, what's it? It's like, dude, I don't know, but he has it. Like right. <laughs> Jalen Hurts has it. Like the guy can just sit behind Tua, not get, say lip, and all of a sudden Tua gets hurt in the SEC championship game. They throw Jalen in, they're down like double digits, and he leads them to a comeback victory. Like it's not easy to mm-hmm. do that, yet he can do it. And the funny thing is – Saints fans at first didn't want Jalen Hurts just because LSU beat the crap out of Oklahoma. They're like, ah, if he was really good, they would have beat LSU. All right, let's just like, not. Let's put the LSU <laughs> bias to the side. LSU's team was stacked. They were amazing. Jalen Hurts is like actually a good quarterback. And I think it was Brian. I think, you know, Mr. VSPN over there, our guy, said, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is somewhat similar to Dak. And I kind of see a couple of comparisons there. Um, Dak was good in college, but people were skeptical about how he turned out in the pros. It's kind of mm-hmm. a similar thing with Jalen Hurts. I think Dak might be actually, um, in my opinion, a little bit better um, as a thrower. I-, I think Dak's a good quarterback. I still don't understand why he's not paid, but that's a different discussion. Um, right. And I-, I think Jalen could turn into that. And I would love to see Jalen Hurts. Um, on the Saints. It's just a guy that you can rally around. You know when Breeze leaves, there's a really massive hole in the locker room in terms of leadership. And who would fill that? I think Jalen can step in and fill that immediately. You need a quarterback who people are going to want to play for. That's why I like Teddy. It's not easy to go into a situation where you're filling in for an injured Drew Breeze and people rally around you. But if they do, clearly you have something special in you. I think Jalen has that. I think Teddy clearly had that. Um, and sometimes it's not even about finding the best quarterback. Like you just need a guy who understands the scheme, plays his role. Um, for example, Drew was obviously Drew was good when he came in 2006. Don't make it, don't get me wrong, but Drew didn't reach that like elite status until a couple of years later. Um, right. And then you're like, okay, yeah, this guy's amazing. It takes time. And Russell Wilson is a guy who reminds me of not let's say Jalen Hurts, but that Drew Brees thing where. When they were winning Seattle first, everyone said, okay, you know, their defense is stacked. Seattle only wins games now because of Russell Wilson. Like, that's right, the only absolutely. reason they win. So, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts will be Russell Wilson, but I'm saying that kid can come in, play a role, and just let him grow with a good team. I think he could do that. And we already know he knows how to use a good receiver. He absolutely yep. worked well with uh, C.D. Lamb. Michael Thomas is obviously better. Uh, no disrespect to C.D. Lamb. Michael Thomas is just different. And I think they would work on the same page and be fine. Um, as for other quarterbacks who the Saints could target, we saw the video come out today. Kind of interesting. It was pre-quarantine, so nobody stressed about it. It was Mason Fine uh, with Drew Brees working out. I actually didn't even have Mason Fine on the Saints uh, radar, in my opinion, when I was looking at quarterbacks. But I can see why they like him. He makes quick decisions. He's short like Drew. He's 5'10". So maybe they mm-hmm. like that. Um the puns would be incredible if they get him. But <laughs> I, I think he's more of a day three, if anything, type pick. Uh, do you? What do you think about that? First, what do you think about the video? And two, what would you think about a guy like Mason Fine to the Saints? Is that too risky for you? What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the I love the fact that he was working out with Drew Brees, and it makes sense. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was a quarterback at North Texas. You're talking about you know Drew Brees, who went to school in Austin, which isn't necessarily North Texas, but you know it's the same region and everything like that. So it makes a little bit of sense that these two guys have probably been in touch for quite some time, if I'm being honest. And so it, it makes it makes perfect sense. And I, I love the fact that Drew Brees, like what I look at, the other thing I look at when I see this, even outside of the draft take, is that I just love the fact that Drew Brees is still like taking time to work out with college quarterbacks that are coming into the NFL like what an incredible dude to just take the time to do that so that was one of the things that jumped out but when it comes to Mason fine I mean his name says it all he's fine you know it's he's not he's not somebody that's gonna necessarily come in and blow the top off of anything 3,000 passing yards last year with North Texas 29 touchdowns to nine uh, interceptions which is a very good ratio 62 percent completion percentage he was over 60 percent over 62 percent over the last three seasons so he's very efficient with the ball he's an accurate passer he's a pocket guy so I think that all of those are pretty good reasons why the Saints might be interested in at least having a look at him I'll be honest I'm not somebody that's going to say, oh, well, the Saints should take Mason fine in the, uh, you know, at, at any point in the draft now that we've seen a workout video with him and everything like that. I just think that you know this is somebody that makes sense for the Saints to take a look at, and they're going to do their homework on quarterbacks. They always have. They've done this, they've done this every year, right? Like We see this all the time. They're working out you know, the top quarterbacks. They're taking a look at these guys that could potentially be competition just as much as they're looking at the guys that could potentially be on their team. Now, I don't think they're looking at Mason fine to figure out what kind of competition they have, but... 
it, you know, there's opportunity there in terms of if he's on the board late in the sixth round and the Saints feel like he is the quote unquote perfect, you know, perfect value, as we've talked about before. Or let's say that he doesn't get drafted and the Saints decide to bring him in as an undrafted free agent. Let's not forget that uh, Sean Payton mentioned that, you know, looking at getting a third quarterback to be uh, active on game day doesn't just come down to the draft. It comes down to free agency. It comes down to undrafted free agency. If they like somebody enough to give that opportunity, it comes down to, or that they like somebody enough to give the opportunity to come and prove themselves in camp, right? Like there's a much longer process that it comes down to the trade market too. So you have to sort of take all of these different things into consideration anytime that you're spending time with the quarterback. And so what I look at is somebody that is a potential look for the saints, but not somebody that I'm going to lock in as a, uh, as a candidate, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Just because we see the video and we're like, oh, Mason finds next to Drew Brees, we got to take him. No, they don't. But it's actually really just interesting to for fans. Now, you can just go plug in uh, Mason Fine on YouTube if you want. Just go watch some of him. Uh, he is an intriguing prospect. Now, I don't know uh, if the Saints are going to take him. And like you said, it, there's a lot of development that's going to have to go there because it's not easy to just plug a kid from North Texas into the NFL and just say, all right, kid do your work. It's just not that easy. Um, but definitely someone that Saints fans should keep a radar on uh, as we get into probably like day three. I don't think there's, I, I don't want to be mean. I just don't think there's any chance he goes day two. Um, and I'm not necessarily yeah. sure he goes day three, but if he does maybe sixth or seventh round around that area um, for sure. Uh, let's move over to the position that Saints fans always talk about. And, and I get it. I understand why. Um, and it actually works because this year the position's loaded. It's the wide receiver group. And there are so many wide receivers in this class where it's like, okay, I'd be cool with him on the Saints. Um, I could see how he works. And there's other ones who I don't think are getting enough attention, and it's because, for lack of a better word, their quarterback play at college was terrible, um, and that's why they're not getting enough exposure. But what I mean is, for example, we all love Justin Jefferson, and we'll talk about him mm -hmm. in a little bit, but we all love him. Uh, we all love the Jerry Judys and the Henry Ruggs and the CeeDee Lambs. But a guy who actually, I and I'll admit, I wasn't that high on him at first, and then I watched the tape, and I'm like, okay, his quarterback is just not good, and, and that's why no one's talking <laughs> about him enough. Jalen Rieger's amazing. Like, the, the kid is good. Yes. And then I saw the stat. I think, like, I forgot the exact percentage, but a lot of his throws were not even, like, inaccurate in the dirt. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm I, fairly certain it was, like, 61.8% or yeah. something like that. Like, and I'm like, terrible. Okay, I cannot blame this kid at all. It's not his fault. And I know pro day numbers are shoddy now with, you know, the handheld times and everyone's got right. to figure it out. But the fact that he even ran something close to a 428 at a handheld time, even let's say he just runs a 44, that's good enough for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I like that. I think that's a kid that should be on people's radars. And Brandon Ayuk, who I have this thing, and I think everyone agrees with it. If a bunch of people you trust start linking the team to a certain player, it's not a coincidence. It's not right. a coincidence. Everyone keeps saying, uh, you know, the Saints, Brandon Ayuk, it works. Like, no, uh, clearly the Saints see something there. Um, and I do too. I, I at first dismissed him because I was a little worried about his health. And then you watch the tape, like, all right, this kid's like 6'1", 6'2". You put him out in space. He gets he gets going. Down the field, he's great. Um, and his quarterback play at Arizona State wasn't necessarily superb. It was much better than TCU, <laughs> right. but it wasn't great. Um, so I like Ayuk as well. Uh, what would you say are the three wide receivers that you're like, I could see the Saints taking, or not even that, you would want this, you'd want to see the Saints take? Uh, so if we, you know, Justin Jefferson's a given, so I'm not going to mention him in, in this because, you know, just just for the sake of giving some more names. But Jalen, uh, Jalen Rager and Brandon Ayuk are two of my favorites in this draft and that I would absolutely have no problem with seeing the Saints take. Somebody else that I'll throw in there is Denzel Mims out of Baylor. He's somebody that has been getting a lot of traction since the combine in particular. But even before that, anybody that was watching his film was impressed with this kid. And the thing I like about him that's really interesting and that is different than what you see from, say, a Brandon Ayuk who played most of his snaps from the slot, it's same thing with Justin Jefferson, is that Denzel Mims played on the majority outside his entire time at, uh, at, at Baylor. And the reason why I like that is because you now have Emmanuel Sanders, who by no means should give you should make you feel like you don't have to draft a wide receiver. I think you still draft a wide receiver. If nothing else, you're looking ahead to the future at that point, and you don't want to get back to the 2016, 17, 18, or sorry, 17, 18, 19 years where you don't have another option outside of Michael Thomas at that position. And so when you have a, when you have the opportunity to grab someone like Denzel Mims who can play the majority outside, and then that still gives Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders the opportunity to move around within their offense. Now you still have Traquan Smith who can play inside and out as well. So if you grab a 
slot guy like a like a uh, a Brandon Ayuk or a, a Justin Jefferson, and then you want to put Michael Thomas in the slot, then you just march Traquan Smith out there as opposed to one of those guys. That's totally fine, and you still create the same mismatch. Doesn't matter. Michael Thomas is going to eat. It doesn't make a difference. But it, it is something that's really interesting to me to see exactly where the Saints go. Do they want more of an outside guy, or do they want somebody that has? that versatility, or are they okay just grabbing a slot guy like they would have been last year when they went after Adam Humphreys? So it's an interesting thing to see where the need for wide receiver has grown for them or has changed for them now that they have Emmanuel Sanders in the building. So those are maybe three guys that I would mention, again, Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims. Uh, and then there, those are guys that are probably going to be day two, potential day one guys. All three of those guys have the ability to creep up into day one. And for the Saints, if they were to take one of them, I wouldn't see it as a reach cons- considering the fact that they presently don't have a second round pick so even if they plan to trade up in day two it doesn't mean that they don't make a selection in day one with that in mind right because who knows if they're going to be able to find a trade partner who knows if they're going to be able to make that deal who knows that if they've had those conversations already if the deal is going to hold true you still make the pick as if you're not going to select until the third round and with that being the case i could easily see any of those three guys creeping up into day one yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned Denzel Mims. And truth be told, I know Saints fans hate him, but I do listen to the herd a lot, and I know it's a mm-hmm. horrible you know, habit that I've you know, developed here. That I no, just it's fine. To I, listen to, I listen to him all the time, too. I like to know what he's saying. I like to know what, what any natural person's saying, right? It's like it's part of what we do is listening to other people just as much as we like to talk. Yeah, <laughs> so no, I course. listen to him, too. I, I'm 100% with you. And the one guest that he always has on that I love to listen to is Greg Cosell. And when I love Greg Cosell. Cosell says... certain things about prospects, I listen. For example, the way you speak about Kenneth Murray, that's how Greg Cosell speaks about him. And that's why I'm like, okay, if Greg Cosell likes him, I'm okay with Kenneth Murray on the Saints. And Mm -hmm. he was talking about Denzel Mims because uh, Colin was making some point about how, you know, CeeDee Lamb's not that good. I don't know what the hell he's looking at, but CeeDee Lamb is good. (laughs) Let me me clarify for both of us that even though we listen to the guy, it doesn't mean that we agree with him. (laughs) Like he just said, he's like, oh, big 12 receivers aren't any good. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, Cosell, name me a receiver who you like. And he just pulls a guy out of the big 12. And he's like, I really like Denzel Mims. And he goes through it. And I'm like, all right, that's great. I go to watch more Denzel Mims because I watched Baylor this year, but Baylor, in my opinion, was just, surprising because of their defense like it was actually good for for a big right. 12 type uh, team and you mm-hmm. watch Denzel Mims and he's actually in that same boat with Ayuk and, and Rager where it's like okay his quarterback play is not great um now his quarterback play is better than the other two teams but what Mims does that I just think will definitely carry over to the next level if you can adjust on a ball that well I, I think you'll oh, be able to do it in the NFL and he just has like these matrix types type motions like his body's contorting in ways that it shouldn't be and then he still comes down with the ball um, and I think you made an excellent point because I mentioned him about a month or before the Saints got Sanders. Like, okay, Mims and Michael Thomas would be a pretty sick duo. And someone said, Chris, we got to get a slot receiver. I totally agree. But now because of Sanders, I think the Saints are so flexible at what they can do. And they can add Mims. Um, and I'd love to see what happens. Another guy who I've been on the bandwagon for. I haven't been that crazy about him lately just because of his injury, so I've kind of quieted a little bit. But I've been a Van Jefferson guy day one. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see him on the Saints. There's just certain guys that th- when they run routes, it-, it just looks like poetry in motion. He's one of those dudes. And yep. I would love to see him on the Saints maybe in day two. Um, heck, I don't think they could go wrong with a guy like K.J. Hill or James Prochet later on. But like you said, just so many receivers. There's one that I actually – can see on the Saints in terms of mismatch and body type, but I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say they're going to take him, but someone that you're actually not that high on in Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. And I saw you were tweeting about him a couple of days ago. So for people listening, what would you say is the reason that, or reasons that you're not in on Chase Claypool compared to everyone else who are saying, oh, he's the next Calvin, which is a little ridiculous. But what would you say about yeah, that? Yeah, it's a little much. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at I look at Chase Claypool, and I'm not just saying this because he's a fellow uh, fighting Irish, but I look at Chase Claypool, and I see last year's Miles Boykin, who came in at great size and blew up the combine, and everybody was super hype about him. And then he gets into the NFL, and then the Baltimore Ravens, who, have, who had a fantastic outlook and vision for what their offense was, 
just couldn't find a way to make him fit because he wasn't good enough. He wasn't cha- he wasn't a good enough challenger to be on the outside the full time. He had the potential and size to be a great big slot option, but he can't really operate because he lacks the twitchiness and quickness that are needed. And I see those same things in Chase Claypool as somebody that could blow up the combine, could be an athlete in spandex, and that's fantastic. But then you get him into the NFL, and then you just have no idea what the hell to do with him because he doesn't have a very expansive route tree, which can be built upon. But there's not a lot that I've seen in terms of his tools that show me that he can be an effective route runner if you continue to add all of these routes. You look at a guy like Van Jefferson, who you mentioned, he clearly can run any route on the route tree, and he can run it from anywhere on the field, whether you put him inside or out or you put him at X or Z. It doesn't matter you're not going to get that with Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, for me, just like T. Higgins, is a guy that is a big guy that could potentially do big guy things in the NFL, in that he can be a red zone threat and everything like that. And this is before all the tight end talk. everything. I never bought into the Chase Claypool as a tight end talk in the first place, and I still don't, even though I'm lower on him than most people are. And here's my other thing when it comes to Chase Claypool and the way that I feel uh, in, in regards to my evaluation of him. It's not that I don't like him. It's just that he's somebody that I'm not as high on as others. I could see him as an option for a team in the third or fourth round, but he's not somebody that's going to creep into the first round or creep into 20 or creep in at 24 for me. I would be shocked if the Saints selected him at 24, as some mockers have uh, have shown. But you know, if it happens, it happens. But he's just not somebody that I'm going to bet on uh, in that way particularly with the makeup that the Saints have in terms of their wide receivers already. I'm looking for somebody that's a little bit more athletic, that has a little bit more of an expanded route tree, and that can do more than just be a big guy, if that makes sense. And yes, he's got good down downfield speed, but if he has no other way to create separation. So if you get him locked up with somebody that can keep up with him, he doesn't really create the separation outside of that. And he might be big, but he struggles against press coverage as well. And so there's just a couple of little things for me that sort of make him an anomaly for me to where what you see with him isn't necessarily what you would get with him on the field. No, absolutely. And I think the interesting thing is with the Saints, because they're in win-now mode, I wonder if that forces their hand where it's like, okay, we can't, especially for wide receiver, let's not draft a guy who we need to figure out his role first. I'm not saying that Claypool can't have an immediate impact with Saints. And I I actually do like Claypool a lot. I -hmm. think, though, wherever he goes, a team's going to have to say, well, do we want him as a tight end? Do we want him as a receiver? Where do we put him? Um, And look, Jimmy Graham was fantastic with Saints, but Jimmy Graham didn't happen overnight. And also, Claypool's not 6'7". So, like, Jimmy Graham was just an exceptional athlete. um, And I think Claypool's a good athlete as well, but it would take some time. I think he's better served going to a team uh, that will figure out how to use him over time. I don't know if the Saints are the best fit for him, uh, but there are definitely a lot of receivers here. I'm going to mention one more guy before I kind of go rapid fire with you about some draft topics. Um, mm-hmm. LaVisca Chenault was a guy who everyone, I would say, loved for the most part. Then the injuries start happening. I don't even know if he's going to go day one. I kind of think he's a day two pick now. He's a player who... I'm not saying I want the Saints to take him because I do think he's in that Claypool category where, okay, what's the vision for him? You need to have a certain vision for LaVisca because I'm not so sure he's a freaking wide receiver. I think he's a running back, and I think he just plays wide receiver. Um, Mm -hmm. And for you, if the Saints hold off on receiver and just like trade back in day two and get LaVisca, what would your take be on that? Like a player like him where he's not a – um, a technician when it comes to route running, and you know you're going to develop him, but at the same time, get the ball in his hands, see what he does. What, what would you think about a guy like LaVisca with the Saints? Yeah, um, that's a really great question because for me, LaVisca Chenault's a top 20 prospect if he didn't have to play at Colorado and if Colorado would have understood like, oh, he's hurt, we shouldn't force him out on the field. You know, I think that that was a huge part of what really ended up uh, being an issue for him is that he had to play injured so much and he had so many touches he has so much wear and tear and it's present in those injuries but without that i think he's a very exciting prospect and there is an interesting conversation about where he fits and where he can be used on the field but i look i i'm with you i'm not going to say that the saints should take lavisca chenault but what i will say is that if the saints did take him he'd be very exciting to watch in this offense because you get somebody that's extremely versatile that is multi-dimensional which is part of what lacks for me when it comes to guys like chase claypool and t higgins they seem very one-dimensional to me you get somebody that has a multi-dimensional and and a ton of purposes out on the on the offensive side and then you pair him up with a guy like sean payton who has a vision and that can figure all of that out it does sort of fall under the category of 
you have to take some time to figure out exactly where he fits, how to use him in the offense and everything like that. So he's not the best quote unquote win now pick, but that's different when you're choosing him in the second or third round versus when you're choosing him in the first round, right? So your idea of trading back and selecting him lightens the load for me a little bit because you've also picked up some other draft capital. You'll be able to make another selection on somebody that could potentially come in and be, you know, uh, and, and be a body sooner than I think Levis Chenault will have the ability to do in the NFL. But I could see him being a guy kind of like, uh, Hakeem Butler was last year for the Cardinals that gets selected, but then doesn't, you know, isn't used in the first year. They work with him over the season. He was injured, so he never made it out on the field. You can see the same thing happening with LaVisca that essentially comes in and redshirts his rookie year. They get some time with him then to sort of figure out how to use him and whatever the offense is going to look like in 2021. And then you end up being able to deploy him with a fully realized plan and fully realized vision. It also wouldn't surprise me to see him fall as far as uh, as far as uh, Hakeem Butler did last year, too. And I know I'm talking about fourth round there, but we have to take into consideration first of all how deep this wide receiver class is and how it could potentially push some of these guys that we're talking about being first rounders into day two and into day three we also have to consider a little bit uh, or or into day two and then some of the guys that we consider day two into day three we also have to consider just the overall odds the you know, odd situation and unprecedented situation that all of these uh, all of these teams are in to where you can't get LaVisca in to get his medicals checked. You can't get LaVisca in to see how he operates with your coaching staff. You can't do any of that right now. And so he is the absolute definition of an unsafe pick at this time. And so because of that, I could definitely see him falling back even further than people expect him to. And that would be something that would be really interesting to watch is to see how this pre-draft process, you know, as we're uh, you know just, what, 10 days away from the start of the NFL draft, uh, is is going to really sort of surface as a as a game changer for the way that these teams make selections throughout their you know throughout their three days here. Yeah, no that that is a fantastic point. I mean, we are in uncharted territories with this virtual draft thing, and mm-hmm. I I forgot who said it exactly, but I, I don't think we're going to see the you know guys with character issues getting picked that high or people taking that many chances because you haven't been able to meet them face-to-face. And it's easy to say things over camera, but you can get a better sense when you see someone in person. Um, And injuries, too. Like you said, LaVisca's hurt. Um, Van Jefferson falls in that category. I like him, but you know what? If the foot doesn't check out and the Saints are like, you know what? We don't like what we're seeing here and we can't even test him. All right, he falls a little bit, too. Um, So I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, Before we wrap this up, I want to shift here and talk about what do you think is more likely and when does it happen and i know it's kind of a rhetorical question here what's more likely saints trade up saints trade down let's be honest it's more likely they trade up but where do you think saints fans should be looking for a trade-up scenario uh for me it's in day two kind of like we talked about that wait from 24 to 88 just feels a little bit uh too long for me so that's really the day that i look at the saints potentially trading up and i would say that it is indeed more likely that they do trade up than they do trade back of course yeah, I think that's definitely the fair thing. And and the thing about the Saints, like you said, 24 to 88, long wait. Fans are – I don't know who's going to be more impatient, Mickey Loomis or fans. So that that's going to be the debate to have there. Right. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. So <laughs> I, I could see them moving up. Now, I'm going to do this real quick to wrap it up. One player you want to see the Saints take, one player you definitely don't want to see the Saints take. Um, who would it be? It doesn't even, I don't even care if it's technically in their standards or not. Obviously we're not going to say, give me Isaiah Simmons because that's not happening, but someone who you think in a certain range, even if that's a trade up, you'd want to see the saints take regardless of round. And then someone you don't want them to take. So I'm actually going to go with a late round guy here that I'd love to see the saints take. And it's somebody that does not get talked about enough. And I just want to put some shine on his name real quick. And it's actually Oregon offensive lineman, Calvin Throckmorton. Now I know a lot of people just went who like the Snoop Dogg meme is popping up all over the place. <laughs> but, but for me, Calvin Throckmorton's a really interesting offensive lineman. Cause we talk a lot about how, look, the saints needed to address their interior offensive line. Okay. Well, they brought back Cameron Tom. They brought back Andrus Pete, although people hated it. It was the right move to make at the time. So I completely get it. Uh, and so, so when now when you look at it, what do the Saints need? The Saints don't have that tackle guard person that can come in and can play 
on either side and play either on the interior or on the edge. Calvin Throckmorton has played all four of those positions. The only position he hasn't played on the offensive line is center. So you give him the opportunity and you bring him in. He's somebody that is has a really volatile sort of projection market too. He's somebody that I've seen mocked as early as day three, but then I've also seen projected as low as, you know, I'm sorry, as early as round three and then mocked as low as say like round six. And I've also seen grades on him that are upwards of a round four grade versus a round seven grade or even a priority free agent grade in some in some books. So it kind of depends on what teams value. And if you value versatility, which we know the Saints certainly do and a lot of teams do along their offensive line, you can throw the Kansas City Chiefs in there, the Houston Texans, although they haven't really done very well at that. But you can see where the value is. Calvin Throckmorton is somebody that I think could be one of those guys that gets brought in very late in the draft and then ends up being a solid contributor for years to come because of the fact that you can plug him just about anywhere on the offensive line and he's not a liability for you. He played all four of those different positions throughout his time at Oregon, allowed only one sack the entire time that he was there. And that's tough to do when you're constantly changing positions all over the place. So he's somebody that I'll throw in there. Um, I'll go opposite. I'll go early for a guy that I don't want the Saints to draft. And I'll just say in terms of first round where I don't is the place that I don't want them to draft him. And for me, and and I've kind of alluded to him a couple times already, but for me, it's T Higgins. Um, I'm not huge on T Higgins. I don't like the fact that he didn't run at the combine because he wanted to quote unquote rest. It's like, what are you resting for? Like where, where is the, the lack of competition all of a sudden? So I wasn't a big fan of that, but even outside of that, just watching his tape. Yes, he has shown to be explosive, but again, he's one of those guys that is a big guy doing big guy things. And he's pretty one dimensional to me. He's somebody that can create some separation down the field as long as he's faster than the guy that he's lining up against. Outside of that, he doesn't really have the route running prowess, the quickness, or the twitchiness to get himself open and create separation in the middle of the field or in the short and intermediate range. So for me, that doesn't fit for New Orleans. I know a lot of people love to mock T. Higgins there. Uh, he's not somebody that I'm super interested in, and so I don't want to see the Saints take him, particularly in the first round. But you know, so so that's that's the way that I'll say. It. I'll, I'll give you one guy that I love late, and I'll give you one guy that I'm not so high on early. <laughs> All right, you know, I'm actually glad that you mentioned T. Higgins because I was starting to think. I see these. It's not like lately anymore in terms of where people have him going, like the Saints and the 24th pick and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But mock drafts in January that had the Saints taking T. Higgins, I'm like, I just don't see it. Like, he's big, <laughs> and, it. like, I like him. Like, he's okay prospect, but no, I, I don't want to see him in the first round. Uh, I don't want to be mean. I don't think he's a first-round pick. Uh, I think he might actually be at an advantage in this process, though, because he's not hurt, and he's a really good person where it's like, all right, they don't have to worry about his character. He's from a winning program, so maybe that helps him. I don't think T. Higgins is all that good. Like, I'm going to be honest, if he was the next Kelvin Benjamin where he has like a good year or two to start and then just fan, flames out, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm just not crazy about him. For the guy that I'd want to see, I'm also going to kind of stay on the same theme where it's a later round pick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't bring up this position at all, um, but it's something the Saints might have to consider. I would like to see them take Lamar Jackson, and I know someone's going to sit there and be like, hey, dummy, Lamar Jackson's on the Ravens. <laughs> I'm not talking about that Lamar Jackson. Like, I, I like Lamar Jackson from Nebraska. I think he's a corner who, if you watch his junior year film, I don't know if it was a confidence issue or the scheme just wasn't great and he was getting used to Scott Frost's whole system, uh, but his senior year film, just it's, it's night and day between what he did um, and I got to talk to him a little bit about it, and he just said, and I th- found it really interesting, he said that he saw a lot of guys on Nebraska who he figured would make it to the NFL, and he realized they didn't get drafted, they didn't get signed, and he was like, something clicked for him where his whole work ethic changed. And I'm like, mm. a guy like that who doesn't have to start, because the Saints don't need an outside corner to start. Uh, Lattimore and Jenkins, you could say what you want, that's one of the better one-two tandems for, for a cornerback duo. Get a guy like Lamar Jackson in there, and the whole point is that a year or two from now, Let's see what he can do. And I know people are going to freak out and they don't want to see Nebraska corner on the Saints anymore because of, you know, Stanley Gene Baptiste. Not the same dude. One's definitely a corner. The other people just got enamored with his size. Um, but right. I would like to see Lamar on the Saints because I do think the reality is if the, the value's there later in the draft, go get a DB because they can use another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's someone I'd want to see. One player I don't want the Saints to take, and I'm going to stick with this quarterback theme, and I know Georgia fans are going to think I just hate that university. I'm not going with Jake Fromm, but I'm going with Jacob Eason. I, oh, great. I don't know Yes, that's a fantastic why. selection, by the way. <laughs> like, what's the infatuation with him? His arms big? Okay, yeah, I get it. But, like, here's what I see from Jacob Eason. I see a guy who 
when everything's perfect, he's a good quarterback. Like, I never once watched Washington and said, oh, wow, like Jacob Easton, man, he's special. For example, when people say Justin Herbert could be elite, I'm not, like, I like Justin Herbert. I don't think he's going to be a top five quarterback in this league, but there are reasons to say that. Like, he shined at the Rose Bowl, and there's moments mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, he has potential. I think Jacob Eason, at the very best, can I get, like, Jameis Winston out of him? And I don't think that's what you shoot for in a quarterback. Like, no disrespect to Jameis, but (laughs) Jameis, I'm not talking about Florida State Jameis. Like, Florida State Jameis is awesome. If I think your pro comp is, like, Jameis with Tampa Bay, I'm not exactly crazy about that. Um, I I know he's got the arm strength, but I I think it's – Let's put it this way. I don't like Jake Fromm, and Jake Fromm's the reason Jacob Easton transferred to Washington. So, like, what does that tell me? Like, is Jake Fromm better than Jacob Easton? Probably, in terms of accuracy, (laughs) uh, just the way he reads the field. Um, I'm just not a Jacob Easton guy, and anyone who mocks him at 24 of the Saints, just please stop. I've seen it a couple of times. Oh, I hate it. It's the worst. I can name 10 quarterbacks I'd rather see. Probably not 10, but at least I'll say seven that I'd rather have on the Saints and Jacob Eason. Obviously, you take the big names off the board. I'd rather see Love. I'd rather see Hurts. I'd rather see James Morgan. I'd rather see Jake Fromm than Jacob Eason. <laughs> I just don't like him. I don't think he's going to work out um, in the NFL. Uh, but heck, if he proves me right, uh, wrong, excuse me, good for him. But I just don't think that's a fit uh, for the Saints. But yeah, that's my little Jacob Eason rant right there. I love it. I love it. I, I have two quick things on Jacob Eason. One of the things that I really love about watching Jake Eason uh, uh, film is that he's always under pressure. And when I when I when I say that, I don't mean that his offensive line is terrible. I mean that even when he has a clean pocket, he is operating as if someone is barreling down his down his face. And his most interesting thing to watch about his tape is that he is always sort of uncomfortable and rushed. And it's a really interesting thing to watch, even when there's no one within three yards of him. And the other thing is Seth Galina. Uh, one of my favorite followers on Twitter, by the way, uh, put out his top seven tight ends. And at number three, he has Justin Herbert. And at number six, he has Jacob Eason. So I, I don't think we're alone <laughs> at all in our evaluation of Jacob Eason at all. Oh, man. I'll throw another. Like, if you're telling me quarterbacks that could be tight ends, I could see Steven Montez in like two years from now. Like, all right, he's a big dude. Throw him in a tight end. Like, there are just some quarterbacks in this draft where I just don't see uh, the buzz over. And I get it. Like, we all view prospects differently. Um, but yeah, and actually the funny thing is you mentioned the Jacob Eason thing, you know how, when, um, an ESPN or an NFL network, any company starts talking about a player and they put on the little tape behind them and they always show clips similar to what you mentioned. Jacob Eason always got guys flying around him. Like, in the, <laughs> like always. And he's always like rolling to the right, just throwing it deep. Like that's right. the only shot. And there's like no pressure coming out of him. He just rolls to the right. It's just the thing that he does. It's so strange. And I saw a report that like. His interviews didn't go well. In my opinion, I think when a quarterback's interviews don't go well, I just think they come off as probably overconfident, which is fine. I don't think that's an issue. Um, but for me, it's almost like I'll make a reference for, like, The Office. When Ryan's got a notebook, he's just, like, crossing off names. If I just see something wrong about <laughs> Jacob Eason, that's just me. I'm like, all right, putting that down. Another done. reason why I don't like right. him. So that, that's just why I'm not in on any type of former Georgia quarterback on the, on the Saints. So no Eason, no from. Uh, But it's going to be an interesting draft. And I think the Saints are in such a weird position where I kind of like that, you know, even though last year the heartbreak happened, they lose to Minnesota, it wasn't fun. Pick 24 and knowing you have a win-now team is kind of a luxury because it's not a bad spot. And I think that the Saints can add a really good player at that spot. They have now the ammo to move up, uh, which people didn't think they'd have at first. Like, there's a really good chance the Saints can do what they did last year. Um, where they add two impact players in the draft, maybe three. What they did last year was incredible. They had barely any picks, and they still came away with McCoy and Gardner-Johnson. And then they found Deontay Harris as like an undrafted guy who has been exceptional. So I really think this is the year where the Saints can add more talent to them, uh, and we'll see what goes from there. Before we end this video, if there's one video, what am I saying, podcast, um, If there's a position Saints fans aren't thinking about, but you would like to see them address in the draft, what would that position be? A defensive line for me, and and I'm just going to keep it general because if it's defensive interior, such as Laurel Murchison, who they met with at the Senior Bowl out of NC State, he has the NC State connection with Ryan Nielsen, defensive line coach. So you know, a, an interior guy like that, or 
perhaps somebody that's off the edge. Uh, I like I like some of these guys like Carter Coughlin, who's really interesting to me because he's basically Zach Bond, but later on in the draft, uh, which is a better fit for me in terms of draft position and a couple of these other edge rushers that are out there as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go undrafted free agency for edge rusher either, just like they did with Carl Granderson last year. But some of those guys, and then there's even the versatile guys that can play inside and out like Jason Strobridge out of uh, UNC. So there's some really good options for them later on in the draft when it comes to defensive line. And I like to see them address that. I don't think at this point we can pretty much feel confident that Trey Hendrickson is not the third pass rusher that we had all hoped that he would be with this offense and struggles to stay on the field as well. And so with that, I could see the Saints trying to add another edge rusher, but I could also see them trying to solidify the defensive interior and maintain their rotation because they were rotating an average of eight or nine guys every game last season until both Rankins and and Davenport went down with injury. And that was a huge part of the success. It's one of the reasons why the Saints racked up 50 sacks for the first time in the Sean Payton era. And I believe for the first time since 2002, 2003, I can't remember which year, but early 2000s. And so this was a huge, huge win for them to have that type of rotation. So I could see them protecting themselves and grabbing some insurance against injury by, you know, shoring up a little bit of that defensive line and being able to maintain and keep that rotation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I could see them adding, uh, more defensive line help. I, I think it doesn't matter what team you are. You always need to add uh, defensive line help. And I think actually uh, to prove that point, an hour ago or two hours ago, I forgot, I think it was Peter King who mentioned it, the 49ers are looking at defensive linemen. The 49ers. Mm-hmm. Like that team is loaded and they're saying, you know what, you never have enough. I know they got rid of Buckner, but still, uh, they have more than enough talent, yet they're looking to improve that position. So I think that's something that Saints fans should definitely look out for. But Anyway, Ross, I appreciate having you on the show so much, man. Your your intel on prospects was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I know that you said you had a Justin Jefferson article coming out, so if you want to tease that real quick and let people know where to find it and what they would find in that article, uh, let them hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for that. Always glad to be here and uh, to have an opportunity to sit down and uh, chop it up with you, man, and share the mic. So I appreciate you taking the time and for welcoming me on. Uh, that article is out over at canalstreetchronicles.com. Just talking about giving you three three reasons, a little bit you know in depth for each one though, uh, just about why Justin Jefferson to the Jeff, Justin Jefferson to the Saints is uh, this year's best NFL draft fit. And sure, you could say that you know CD Lamb to the Saints would be a better fit, but <laughs> we we could feel pretty reserved that they're not going to get a hold of CD Lamb. But if that's not the case, then Justin Jefferson is definitely one of your best fits in the draft in terms of making it to New Orleans. And so talking a little bit about what it is that he would bring to the team. Uh, what it is that he displayed at LSU that makes him a perfect fit in uh, New Orleans and uh, essentially how he would operate with Sean Payton and opposite Michael Thomas along with Emmanuel Sanders, just exactly what his fit could be within the team. Uh, Very exciting prospect, very exciting idea that if the Saints were lucky enough to land him, then he would be, I think, the best NFL draft in terms of team player fit uh, in the draft this year. Yeah, and that sounds great. And I, I think we both agree, and obviously you wrote it and you know it. Uh, Jefferson to the Saints, it's not just that he's a great prospect. It's he would know the scheme already, and it's just it's the perfect uh, plug-and-play. Um, yeah. And you can never have enough uh, – similar to defensive linemen, you can never have enough weapons on offense um, because if one of them goes down, you got to make sure you keep that thing rolling. And I think if you add Jefferson in there, it would definitely be a fit. And we know that all the fans uh, in New Orleans would be very, very excited to see Justin Jefferson in the black and gold. Um, But anyway, Ross, again, thank you so much for for jumping on the podcast and talking NFL draft prospects about the Saints and who they might go after. Um, And it wasn't just talking about the big names. You brought up great offensive linemen they should look at, um, the wide receiver class you went in depth on, and I I just really appreciate uh, talking draft with you. Uh, It was fantastic. So thank you again for coming on. Uh, For all of you guys listening at home, I hope this was a good way for you guys to spend about an hour of your time during quarantine and be entertained. Um, Because, like we said, there's no sports on right now, but the NFL is quietly moving and we are so close to the draft. And even though it's going to be virtual, it'll be a nice little escape from what's going on in the real world right now. Um, so I hope you guys all enjoyed it back at home. I will have another episode coming out later this week. Um, it's probably going to be on draft theme as well, but I'll probably keep it into one category. So everyone stay tuned for that. Um, and if you haven't been listening Every single day during the week, Ross has a podcast, Locked on Saints. It is the best daily podcast you will find on the New Orleans Saints. He always keeps it fun and fresh. Um, So if you haven't seen it and you haven't listened to it yet, I'm going to drop the link to that podcast in this episode description. So stay tuned for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and enjoy the rest of your week.